It's been almost two weeks since I've been live with you guys, so I've missed this more than you know. I'm excited to be back. I've been sitting on this series for two years. When I tell people that, they think I'm exaggerating. No, back in 2021, um, around the, I want to say April, May, that's when uh, I started to get this, this started to form this series that I finally get to do. So it's been just about two years. Um, this series is all about waiting on the Lord. Uh, so you need to know that we all understand that good things are worth waiting for. And we're willing to wait up to a point for certain things. Um, but when it comes to like God making us wait, for some reason we get frustrated and anxious and, and disappointed and stressed out and impatient. And, and we're not willing to wait for the things that he has for us. And we start to ask questions like, why does God make his children wait for the things he has for them? Why does he make us wait? What does it look like to wait? How do I wait? Think of all the things that you and I uh, are waiting for in this life. Some of you are waiting for a new house. Some of you are waiting for better finances. Some of you are waiting for, you know, things like clear direction. You're waiting to get married. You're waiting to actually have a spouse to do life with and, and to do ministry with. Some of you are waiting for just a better situation overall um, in your life. You're waiting for a new job. You're waiting to actually go farther in work so you can have more financial security and start investing. Some of you are waiting for a new video game to come out. All of us are waiting for different things. On not, on not just a physical worldly level, but on a spiritual level as well. Some of you are waiting for spiritual things like breakthrough. You've been waiting for years to get over this little hump that you've been wrestling with and trying to get over for so long. Some of you are waiting for healing, healing emotionally, healing mentally, healing physically, healing over from depression, healing from anxiety, healing from um, the, the cancer that has been reported over the last, over the last year. Some of you are waiting um, to be free from an addiction. Some of you are waiting for more patience, more confidence in Christ, more assurance to get to a place where I can say, you know what, Jesus, I, I really am secure in you. You're waiting to get to that place. Some of you are waiting to really step into the calling that you know God has on your life. You're waiting to really start realizing your gifts and start using those in a ministry capacity. Whatever you're waiting for, okay, all of us are waiting for something in some degree, and to some extent, we're all waiting for something for God to move in our life. And so whatever you're waiting for and believing for God to do in your life, um, there is always a waiting process that is involved. And you need to understand the waiting process. You need to understand like desperately for the rest of your life, the, one of the most helpful things you can start to understand now is how to wait on the Lord what it means to wait on the Lord, what different elements come into this equation. There's a right way to wait on God and move towards His will in faith, and there's a wrong way to wait that most Christians don't even understand they're doing wrong. And so you need to understand that everything that God has for His children, that He has for us, it involves waiting on Him. And so many people, so many believers, even me at certain points in my life, We've, we've missed out on the best that God has for us because we simply don't know how to wait on Him. Whatever it is, best in your, the best possible marriage, the best possible uh, financial situation that He sees as ideal, which may include some struggling, um, the best possible job you know, scenario, the best possible relationship scenario, whatever it is, okay, in every areas of our life, God has an ideal for that. And I just wonder how much we might possibly be missing out on because we don't know how to wait. We don't know what it means to wait on the Lord. Um, and so uh, 
you could be missing out on an answered prayer. You could be missing out on the breakthrough you've been believing for. You could be missing out on greater joy, more of God, because you simply don't know how to sit there and wait on Him. And I know that you and I both have an idea of what it looks like to wait. Like when I say wait on the Lord, every one of us has a different picture that comes to mind, a different idea that we think of. When I wait in the, it's like waiting in a waiting room for the dentist appointment. That's what it means to wait. Or I'm waiting in traffic. Or I'm waiting on the airplane to get to my destination. Not all of those ideas aren't completely wrong. They're just not completely correct either. And so you, you and I need to have an accurate idea of what it means to wait on the Lord because there's so much that he has for you. Like there really is. There's so much more that he has for all of his people, his children. And the process between now and what he has for us involves waiting. And if you don't know how to wait, you will miss out on all that God has for you. He's made it available. But if you're not going to wait there and do what he's called you to, then you'll forfeit what he, the fullest life he has for you, this side of heaven in the process. Doesn't mean you won't get in heaven. It just means you'll, you'll live less than what he's called you to. Um, and so it's really easy to misunderstand this concept of waiting. So I'm going to break it down. This is the first episode. And what I'm going to do is just summarize what it looks like to wait on God, at least the different elements that are involved. Um, and, and beyond just waiting uh, for God to do something, this series is more about waiting on God as that ultimate something. So when you and I think, well, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait for him, you and I think, wait for God to do something. Wait for God to answer a prayer. Wait for God to bring a breakthrough. Wait for God to finally do what we've been believing him to do in our life and change the situation. But waiting on the Lord is not so much about waiting for him to do something. It's actually more about waiting on God as the ultimate something we long for most. And Psalm 62 verse 1 and 2 captures this perfectly. The first thing you really need to understand when it comes to waiting on the Lord is that He is ultimately the one we wait for and on. And there is a difference. Waiting for God, okay, involves certain things. Waiting on God has a different uh, flavor to that. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. The psalmist says, David, he says, God, for God alone, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I won't be greatly shaken. So this text already, the first passage we get to in this whole series, all about waiting on the Lord, makes it abundantly clear that it is God alone who we wait for. And the psalmist is waiting for what? The salvation that comes from God alone. He's looking to God alone as his salvation and his rock and his fortress. He doesn't have a backup option. He's not looking to multiple things as his rock. He's not looking to also money as, as a rock that he stands on. He's not looking also to, to pleasure as a, as, a form of, as a fortress that he runs to. He's chosen God as his portion. And he says, God, you alone are the one I'm waiting for. You are the one who brings salvation. There's no backup plan. There's no option B. There's no, in case God fails me, I'll run to this. And I have this on hand in case things get really, you know, really hairy and God doesn't come through the way I want. No, it's God alone is the one he waits for. And so this whole series um, is designed to help us understand 
everything we need to know about waiting on the Lord that I didn't know for years, that I've had to learn over the course of my Christian life, which I know you're thinking, well, how long have you been a Christian? You've got to be 12 years old max. No, I'm 30. I've been walking with Jesus for like at least 10 years. That's not long, but it's long enough to learn some things that are worth sharing. And so I, I really hope you'll tune in. I really hope you'll, you won't miss a single one of these episodes um, because this has fundamentally changed my life. And kind of the heart behind this is there's a song that was released by Elevation Worship and, and um, Maverick City Music a couple years ago, about two and a half, two years ago. And uh, there was a song they released called Wait On You. And it was my anthem for months. It was just the song that rang uh, throughout my heart for months. And play that on repeat. I blasted in the car. People would get tired of it. I'd say, you're going to deal with it because this song is so good. And you need to learn how to wait on God. It was just the anthem of my life for so long. And it, it, what that song did for me um, is partly what this series was, was birthed out of. Um, this, this, this longing, this yearning, this desire to learn how to wait on God and to live a life that is summed up by I'm waiting on God. Um, and so there's three things, um, that you need to understand just today. We'll start slow. Okay. We'll ease our way into this. Um, the question becomes, how do we, how do we know we're actually waiting on God? Some of you are like arrogantly assume I've been waiting on God. I know what it looks like. Do you though? Like, do you really? I think it's, it's humble of us to take a step back and admit, maybe, maybe I don't know what it means to wait on the Lord as well as I could. Maybe I could learn a few things. Maybe I could learn how to better wait on the Lord and not miss out on what he has for me. Um, because the waiting is worth it. No matter what, all that God is and all that he has for us is well worth the wait. I mean, some of you are willing to wait for months for a season to come out of your favorite show. You're willing to wait through, you're willing to, and you'll binge watch that in an hour. <laughs> Somehow, you'll just accelerate the speed, watch it at like three times speed just to get the whole picture. But you won't wait on God for what he has for you. You know, you'll wait months for your favorite video game to come out and it's finally here, I've been waiting and it was worth the wait, but you won't say that about what God has for you. So it's like we have a different framework of waiting for worldly things than we do for God. And it's like, well, I'll wait for things that I, that I think are valuable, but the things that God has for me, I'll give him a chance, right? But if he doesn't come through as quick as I want him to, I'm going to kind of dip and move on to something else. Why don't we have that same passion and that same urgency and that, that same willingness to wait and be patient that we do for worldly things? Why don't we have that same thing for God and what he has for us? And so how do we know we're waiting on God the right way? What does it mean to wait on the Lord? There's 10 specific elements of waiting that I've surveyed scripture. Okay, I've done my due diligence. I've studied the bejeevers out of this concept. Over the last almost two years, okay, so um, this is not just me pulling this out of thin air, being like, oh, I'm going to make up a series on the spot and hopefully we'll go somewhere. Every passage I surveyed when it comes to waiting for or on God includes one of these 10 elements, okay? Number one, it's always going to involve God's word. So my waiting is always going to be in response to what God has said. I don't get to fabricate something I think is worth waiting for and go, I think God wants me to believe him for this and wait for this. So I don't get to uh, decide that God is going to do something in my life. I get to discover and believe and he's going to speak that in my life. Meaning uh, when I read scripture, I understand that God wants to sanctify his people. He wants to make us more like Jesus. 
He wants to transform us more into his image. I discover that. And so my response to that is that I'm going to bring that into the waiting process of my life. And I'm going to believe and wait for what God calls my sanctification. And that's a progressive thing. And so waiting is always in response to what God has said. It's not, a, it's, it's not something I, I, I make up. Uh, it's not something that I decide. Um, I'll say it like this. This kind of came to me when I was driving. This is relating to vision specifically, but it relates to waiting as well. Okay. And I wrote this down. I think it's worth sharing. Vision is something people like to talk about. <laughs> they like to talk about vision God gives them and, and all the vision God has for my life. And you need to understand something. Vision is given by God. It's not a decision I make. Now I can choose to see what God already has laid out and gives vision for, or I can choose to move on and, see, and, and, and decide something else for my life, but vision is something God gives. And I can respond to that in faith and obey, or I can choose not to. In other words, I don't decide to have vision for something. Um, we're given vision for something. Now you can decide to... Um, align yourself with the vision God has for your life. And you can ask him to give you clarity about that, but it's ultimately God who decides and knows what is best for our life and gives us vision for that. So when it comes to waiting, yeah, I, I wonder like how many of us are waiting for things that have no basis in God's word. I wonder how many of us have like, we've decided we're gonna wait and believe for, some, for God to do something in our life that God never actually gave us permission to wait for. And so we're waiting in vain. We're waiting for nothing. And God's actually not going to do that. And here we are sitting, waiting, only to be disappointed in the end because we have wrong expectations of God that aren't rooted in his word. And so any, any kind of biblical waiting is always going to be in response to what God has promised, who he is, what he declares about him and his plan and his church and his gospel and his son. All of that found in the scripture is going to kind of give me um, the the things worth waiting for. It's gonna bring um, substance to, to my waiting. So I know what to wait for and what is truly of God. Otherwise, I'm just wasting my time. The second thing that biblical waiting always includes, and we'll get to the scripture for this. There's, there's three scriptures we're gonna survey today, okay? Um, actually, more than three. But it starts with Psalm 62. So let me just go in, in order real quick. The 10 elements of true biblical waiting. How to know you're waiting on God properly and, and rightly. It always includes God's word. It always includes trust. It includes action. It includes faith. It includes the presence of God. It includes contentment. It includes patience. It includes a hopeful expectation. It includes salvation, always, at the heart of it. And it includes this hierarchy of priorities. So when we talk about waiting on God, that doesn't mean we can't wait for any other thing pertaining to this life and go, oh, I can't wait for, for, for God to give me a better financial situation, or I can't wait for a, a house that actually fits my family, or I can't wait for a job that can actually support my family, or I can't wait for a better marriage. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying in the hierarchy of priorities, God is ultimate, and everything else follows, and that's not ultimate. Those other things, the things pertaining to this temporary life, are not ultimate. So when I say that God's word is what we respond to in the waiting, you really need to understand that if you are responding to something and going, I'm going to wait for this, but it has no basis in God's word. God never told you he's going to do it. God didn't give you vision for that. It's something you fabricated on your own. Then you're waiting in vain. The second element is trust. 
all biblical waiting that I surveyed in scripture, it involves trusting that God knows best and his will is best. His timing, his method, the people involved, it's trusting you know best and I'm going to trust in whatever you decide is best. I trust that. I trust in your heart and your character. It involves trust. The third element is action. Biblical waiting always includes obedient faithfulness or faithful obedience. It's not lazy. It's not complacent. It's not me sitting, waiting, doing nothing. It actually involves doing what I can to move towards what I'm believing and waiting for. Not to accelerate the process, which we'll get to in a minute. Not to try to speed up things because I'm impatient, but because I'm just trying to be faithful and do what God has asked me to while I'm believing and waiting for what he, what he's given me permission to, to wait for, what he said is coming, what he said he's going to do. Um, the fourth element is faith, right? Now, all biblical waiting involves faith. I'm convinced God is worth the wait. That's all biblical true waiting on the Lord involves, you know what? I believe and I'm convinced that you, oh God, are worth the wait. And then my life is going to be a testimony of that. I'm going to live like that's true. The fifth element is God's presence. God's presence. In all waiting, right? Whatever it is that God is going to do that I'm believing and waiting him to, to accomplish or, or bring in my life, it's always going to be the result or the overflow of seeking God first. God's presence is at the core of all biblical waiting. It's that intimacy and friendship with the living God as my father, he is first. His presence takes priority in all waiting. The sixth element is contentment, okay? Where I can say God is enough while I'm waiting for whatever it is that God has told me he's gonna do in his word or through counsel or through you know prayer and fasting, answered prayer, whatever it is. I'm content, God is enough while I'm waiting. The seventh element is patience. Patience. In other words, all biblical waiting involves a willingness to endure to the end. Even, the, even through adversity, even through difficulty and trouble, whatever it is, I'm willing to endure to the end. I'm going to stay here and be patient. I'm not going to try and accelerate things. I'm not going to make them move faster. I'm not going to grow impatient and move on. I'm going to sit here and be patient and endure whatever I have to, to see what you've told me you're going to do in my life. And some of you don't have that. I don't have that. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger mainly at me. But some of you are also like me. You don't have that patience. You're quick to start things. You're quick to believe God for new things. But you don't stick it out. You move on. You give up real fast. You put this time crunch on God. You put the pressure on him as if he told you exactly what the timetable is. And you place your timetable on him. Hold him hostage to your concept of time. And you go, God, if you don't, this fast, then I'm going to move on. And you're quick to believe God for new things, but you never actually stick it through and patiently wait. The eighth element is hope, right? There's hopeful expectation involved, meaning I hope in God alone. And I don't treat God as just another option. Like Psalm 62 says, he's my rock, my salvation, my fortress alone. He's not one among many. My hope, the resource I have called hope has been invested fully in God and who he is, and what he's promised and said, and his ability and power to do it. My hope is in him. There's expectation involved. The ninth element is that there is going to be a hierarchy of priorities in all waiting. We, 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 we look at waiting as if like you're only always waiting for just one thing. Not true. In every season of the human life, 
we're never just waiting for only one thing. There's always like a list of things we're waiting for and believing God to do. And so there's a hierarchy. God should be ultimate though. Everything else is less than and beneath him. I'm mainly waiting on him, that he's ultimate. I just want more of the presence of God. I want more of him. I want to know him more. Everything else follows. Sanctification, glorification, resurrection, transformation, new creation, all the Asians. We're waiting for all that stuff. You know, breakthrough in my life, healing, uh, freedom from depression. Those things follow God as ultimate. He's ultimately what I want. And the last element is salvation. Salvation. Okay? So there is going to be uh, an end of all our waiting. Like all, all the, the ultimate waiting period is going to culminate and end in Jesus coming back and establishing new creation to where we're glorified, resurrected bodies. We get to reign with Christ. That's coming. And that's going to mark the end of our waiting period. So there is this, we're waiting for this final moment of God to do what he said he's going to do. End evil, remove sin, crush the enemy once and for all, just remove him from creation and start new creation. Bring the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, where Christ reigns and we reign with him. That's coming. That's going to mark the end of our waiting and longing for the better life and reality. So those are the 10 elements. Again, just to recap for those that want to write this down because you're nerds like me, God's word, trust, action, faith, God's presence, contentment, patience, hopeful expectation, a hierarchy of priorities, and salvation. And a lot of waiting in the Bible, if you're trying to figure out what it looks like to wait, think of like uh, an army sitting in wait, lying in wait to ambush their enemies. A lot of waiting in the Bible is actually likened to an enemy or an army or a person lying in wait to pounce on someone else. It's 1 Samuel 15, 5, Exodus 21, 13, Numbers 35, 22, Deuteronomy 19, 11, Psalm 59, 3. Those are all examples of like, of course, it's not like a perfect parallel, but the idea still stands is it's waiting, knowing something's coming and being ready for it um, and taking the necessary action to be prepared for that thing that you believe is coming and you're hoping in it, not just like I wishful thinking it might. No, you've made preparation to prove you believe it's coming and you're waiting, lying in wait. Um, and you know, scripture actually talks about God waiting patiently. So waiting is not just something we deal with. God is said to actually, Psalm 65, one and two, it says, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I was ready to be sought by those who didn't ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who didn't seek me. What does that sound like? It sounds like God was waiting to be found, waiting to be sought after, waiting to be asked for, giving himself and making himself available. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people. Sounds like God is long suffering and patient who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. So waiting is actually like our idea of waiting. Uh, it's actually an imitation of God. Biblical waiting is Im imitation of God. He waits 
patiently, his long suffering. Genesis 15, 16, he's telling Abraham, look, you're going to have a bunch of descendants. It's going to be fire. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but know this. Uh, they're going to be afflicted for 400 years in a land that's not their own, but I'll bring judgment on the nation they serve, Egypt. Afterward, they'll come out with great possessions. As for you, Abram, go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried in, good, in a good old age. And here's what he says. They shall come back here in the fourth generation. Why? Why is God waiting? Why is that the appointed time? Well, because the iniquity of the Amorites who occupy the promised land currently their sin is not yet complete or filled to the full. There's a waiting period involved. There's a waiting period. God is waiting to actually release Israel into the promised land as the judgment against the Amorite sin to remove them from the land. <clears throat> not to say Israel's perfect, but he's uh, there. God's method of uh, distributing just uh, punishment on the nations who God has been waiting uh, 1 Peter 3.20, it says, They formerly did not obey the spirits in prison in the days of Noah uh, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. So God waiting patiently in the days of Noah. Think about all the years it took for Noah to build the ark. And he's preaching. He's called a herald of righteousness. And he's preaching, whatever that looks like, with his act actions. Or he's also like out there telling people like it's going to rain and flood. You better get ready. But God's patience waited. That time that it took to build the ark, you think God could have like accelerated the process. Why did it take so long? That was actually a waiting period, giving people a chance to turn and believe and repent. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight, were brought safely through water. Second Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. He's not... He's not restricted or bound by time. He's not pressured by time. He's actually outside of time, but at the same time, he's waiting. He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. In other words, God is allowing time to pass, giving people the option to actually turn and repent. He's being patient. He's waiting, making himself available. God waits for Sodom and Gomorrah to reach that point where actually judgment comes upon them. God waits for Israel, gives them a chance through all the prophets he sends, gives them chance after chance to repent and believe and turn back to him. They don't. And he waits, long-suffering. He's patient. And finally, judgment breaks out. And if we're going to learn to wait on the Lord, and if we're going to experience all that God has for us, there are three things you know, at least today, about waiting on the Lord. The first one is this. And I, I do have scripture to back this up, so let me go there right now. The first thing is this. For those of you that are growing tired and discouraged and you're wondering if he's still worth waiting for, maybe you're waiting for the wrong thing. Maybe you're waiting for something God never actually said he would do. For sure. But maybe, maybe this stretching period, this test, is actually for your benefit. And maybe it's, it's worth sticking it out for and being patient. Don't, don't jump ship too soon, right? Don't pull that eject latch too soon um, because God has more for you. And if you're not willing to wait for it, you're going to miss out. And so for those that you, of you that are tired and patient, just discouraged, man. You've been waiting for your kids to come to Christ for years. 
You've been waiting for them to come back, the prodigals that they are. You've been waiting for things to change financially for your family. You're tired of struggling and scraping the bottom of the barrel. For those of you that are just tired of dealing with the same addiction, you just want freedom. You're, it's been 13 years. Now it's been 14 years. Now it's been, now it's been 20 years since that addiction formed. And you've been praying and fasting and seeking counsel and you've gone to counseling and therapy and nothing's changed. Things have gotten a little better and you, you've lost hope. You've stopped waiting on the freedom that you know is yours in Christ that actually can be realized in an experiential way. You, you've, you've stopped waiting to be free from that once and for all, right? Not to be say you're not free from sin, but that addiction that you're living in still, there's freedom for that. Some of you have given up on the idea of ever like, being loved by someone like fully and actually giving yourself over to someone and waiting for that spouse. You've, you've kind of jumped ship. You've given up on that idea. You don't think God has someone for me. Maybe, maybe, but possibly if God did give you a clear word and if he spoke directly to you um, time and time again, confirmation after confirmation, and he said, there is someone. If you wait, if you're patient, things will get better. The healing will come. If you're waiting on something God said he's going to do, there are three things you need to know. Number one, the Christian life is marked by continual waiting. The Christian life is marked by continual waiting. In other words, your whole Christian life, get used to this and write this down, your whole Christian life is one big waiting period. Not like sitting in the dentist's office waiting for your name to be called because that root canal, you've been putting it off for months and it's finally time. You can't hold it, you can't you know, deal with the pain anymore. That's not the kind of waiting we're talking about. We're talking about, well, activity, trust, hope, belief, God's word, all those different elements that come into the process. Your whole Christian life is one big waiting period. <laughs> if you get something you've been waiting for, there's just gonna be something else to take its place and at the least, we are all, this side of heaven, in this temporary life, we're all waiting for Jesus to come back. We're waiting for the promise of new creation and resurrection. So you will never stop waiting. Like in this temporary life, you will never stop waiting on God. In other words, get used to waiting. Waiting should become your natural posture. Your heart posture should be one of continual waiting. I'm okay with it, settle into it. Because you're never gonna reach a point in this life where waiting is no longer needed. I know you think it. I know you think, well, if I just, and if God just, and if I can finally, and fill in the blank, and you think, then I'll, I won't have any reason to wait anymore. False, false. We're always this side of heaven in this life waiting for Jesus. We're waiting for that kingdom to fully invade and take over. So no matter what you gain in this life and you're waiting for that you finally achieved the ultimate waiting thing that we're waiting for, being Christ himself, is something that you will wait for until you either die or he actually comes back and you see him. So when you get one thing you've been waiting for, again, there are still other things you'll still be waiting for, which is mainly eternity with God and new creation. And so many Christians get disappointed because they were never told <laughs> That, hey, the Christian life is one big period of waiting on God. So I hope that this will like set you up for success, have right expectations for the rest of your life. 
settle into it, get used to it, you'll be waiting on God. There's never a season where you stop. Maybe there's more things around you that you're waiting for in different seasons. Maybe it's heightened in different seasons. Maybe you're more aware of your need to wait in different seasons. But the actual need to wait, constant throughout your life. And it's something that is worth settling into and getting used to. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation and my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. This is uh, David actually um, talking about his enemies coming against him. Evil people. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah, let's pause. For God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence. Doesn't sound like the psalmist is waiting for God along, along other things. He's not, not God alongside, you know, more money or more success or more influence or, or more sex or more pleasure or more whatever it is. It's not God plus other things. It's God alone. He's the one he's, he's waiting for. He's telling his soul, wait in silence for God alone. Which means to look to God as your only option and hope, not other things. And some of you have yet to do that. You got backup plans for backup plans because you've been so hurt in the past that you don't think anyone's worth trusting, even God, and you kind of project that insecurity onto him and think, well, I don't know if God's really going to come through, so I should have a backup plan in case, in case he fails, and then I'll move on, I'll try another religion. God alone should be your source and the one that you're hoping in and believing for to come through. My hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My for Do you see like he only is my, it's this emphasis on only, alone, God solely, exclusively, my hope. He's the only fortress I run to. He's the only rock I stand on. He's the only one who brings salvation. That is the truth, but do you live like that? Do you look to God like that? Your whole life is going to be one of, I wait on you alone. And as you grow, as you progress in Christ, you're going to realize more and more just how much he is the only one worth waiting for. That's, good. That's going to become more obvious and evident to you as you know him. I shall not be shaken. Oh, on God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock and my refuge is God. Meaning, what I run to in times of turmoil, when things get shaky, when there's a storm, I run to Him. I don't run to other things. I don't run to my success. I don't find a sense of security in the money I have in the bank. I don't, I don't find a sense of assurance and ah, relief in, in, in all the people that follow me. I don't find you know, all of my hope in, in my achievements and how far I've gone and the fact that I have a family and we're secure and we're in America. My refuge is God. He's my safe place. He's the one I run to. That is going to be something that you get used to for the rest of your life. He's your refuge. For the rest of your life, he's the one you run to. Trust in him at all times. I don't trust in God just for like a moment, just for a season. It's a lifelong thing. I trust in him all my days at all times. It's hard. But there's never a point where I should stop trusting in God and go, you know what? I don't rely on you anymore. I don't lean on you anymore. I'm going to run to something else. 
for the rest of your life, you should trust in God alone. And the psalmist is so secure in God, he's calling other people to trust in him. Going, look how good and trustworthy and faithful this fortress my God is. Come and find refuge in him. Come and trust in him. That's a lifelong thing. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He's a safe place. I can be honest and transparent and genuine and vulnerable in the presence of God. He sees right through any facade I have. Any mask I try and put on. Any, any idea of myself I try, and, I try and, you know, identify with. He sees right through me. So I just pour out my heart before him. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In, in the balances they go up, they're together lighter than a breath. Don't put trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Some of you are looking to money for a sense of security that only God can provide. For some reason, that seems to be something that's coming up a lot more in my mind as I'm thinking about this with you guys. Is a lot of you unknowingly trust in money. Well, I don't love money. I don't worship money as my God, but you wait for more money as if that's what's going to really make your life better. Disconnected from God. You're not looking to God like that. You're going, God, can you just give me, give me, give me? I could, I, just more would be better. It would change my life. It would change my circumstances. It would make things easier. Sure. But should you hope in that thing? If indeed it could? Because money without God can be a curse. It can be a snare. But money with God's favor and hand on it be a blessing. Less with God is better than more without him. These people that David is calling out, they've placed the trust that rightfully belongs with God and they've placed it in money. And they've started robbing in vain hopes. They're looking to money. They've placed their hope and trust on riches and going, if we just had more money, our life would be better. If we just had more financial resources, things would be easier. Sure, but that doesn't mean that those things are worth your hope. Even if they could improve your circumstances temporarily and make life a little easier and relieve you a little more, they're not worth your hope. They can't bring a, the kind of peace and comfort God can. They, they, money can bring temporary relief. That's not the same as eternal peace and comfort that comes from the presence of God. So once God has spoken, twice I've heard this, power belongs to God. Not money, not riches, not having more security from financial you know, stability. To you, O oh Lord, belongs steadfast love. And just to be clear, I'm not against money. I'm against trusting in money as if to be our source of happiness, pleasure, security, safety. It's not. It's a resource in the hand of God. That's very different than looking to money as the source of anything. Money ain't the source of anything. Without God, it can actually become the source of a lot of trouble. But with God, He's still the source. That's just a resource in His hand. And He's worth my hope. Not even what He does or what He gives me. I want His face more than His hand. And some of you are like, God, gimme, 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 do, do, do. And you're all about his hand. And you think that's waiting on God. It's not. Waiting on God emphasizes the face of God and his presence more than his hand and what he can do. 
It's more about who he is. And the very fact that his presence is in your life, that outweighs and is way more valuable than anything he can give us in this life temporarily, like money or success or influence or following or platform or pleasure or gain. You will render to a man according to his work. The psalmist is voicing a lot of what it looks like to wait on the Lord. And so, again, waiting on God is not looking to God alongside or among many other things. If I'm waiting for anything else, those things are less than God, right? And they find their place in Him as ultimate against the backdrop of God as my ultimate treasure. So you might think you're waiting for one thing. Some of you are like waiting for whatever you're waiting for, okay? And you might think you're waiting for that one thing, but then you'll get that. And you'll realize, actually, what I'm waiting for is something God promises to bring after this life. That's what I'm really longing for. The, 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 the flesh, our, our flesh, has a, has a knack for like uh, deceiving us into thinking, um, into waiting for the wrong things. And thinking, that's what I'm waiting for. And God's going, actually, that's just a cheap imitation of what you really long for that I can give. Don't settle for the cheap version. Don't, don't settle for the, for, the, for the fake version of what you really need, which is found in me that I'm bringing after this life. Resurrection, glorification, reigning with Christ, new creation, all that comes that we're waiting for and we settle. We settle for only waiting for temporary worldly things. That's what I'm against. The, the problem is not waiting for any worldly things in general and believing God can do things in this life. That's not the problem. The problem is when you only wait for the things that pertain to this temporary world as if those are ultimate. Because once you get it, you're going to realize that wasn't worth waiting for actually. Like there's something, there's something deeper longing, a deeper desire. Yeah, for God. For God. He's the one to wait for. And so expect to wait for God the rest of your life. Expect to wait on him the rest of your life. It'll make your life a lot easier because it'll remove that, de that deceiving lie that, you know what, once I get this, I don't have to wait anymore. No, you're going to have to wait the rest of your life for what you really long for, which, you know, Scripture says we long for what God is going to bring us when Christ returns. Um, and so it's just, it's just easier to deal with frustration, disappointment, impatience, boredom, while we're waiting, it's, it's so much easier to say, you know what, just to be honest, your whole Christian life is just one long waiting period. Get used to it. When I, tell my when I don't tell my kids they need to wait for something, they get all frustrated and impatient and bored. I'm bored. But if I tell them, hey, you're going to have to wait for this long, right? There's going to be a lot. There's still going to be like, I'm bored, but not as much because they already were set up with the expectation I have to wait. And that expectation of I need to wait helps them cope with any disappointment or impatience they have. Makes it a little easier. It doesn't eliminate it entirely, but it makes it easier. The second thing about waiting is not just that it's a lifelong thing, but it's that waiting is not a bad thing. We live in a culture that wants to accelerate and microwave the waiting process. And just get through it, push through it, accelerate it, entertain yourself until you're on the other side. 
But waiting, the waiting period God brings us through, it's not something you should desire to accelerate. If we're talking about like Jesus coming, you're like, well, Revelation says we should try and hasten the day. That's fine. I'm talking about like the actual waiting period of like, hey, God has allotted this number of days before you get here or you have this or you, or you enter into this job or whatever it is. That waiting period he's ordained as best for you should not be something you try and accelerate and push through. We get frustrated when we try and operate by our own time frame instead of submitting to God's. So understand this. Waiting is not bad. Good morning, Leandra. Waiting is not bad. It's actually a fantastic thing. But the culture we live in wants to almost uh, demonize waiting. Uh, wait, wait, wait. No, waiting is boring. Uh, entertain yourself. Uh, watch this ad. Uh, play this game. Uh, think about this. Listen to this podcast. It's just constant bombardment of don't wait, accelerate it, push through, shortcuts gurus with all the wisdom they have and they're telling you how to shortcut the process instead of like understanding that no matter what guru comes your way you're always gonna have to wait a certain amount waiting is not something you have to push through or accelerate god has actually ordained a specific time frame attached to everything he wants to do in your life not in a calvinistic way right not in a way where it's like unhealthy (laughs) but in a fatherly way where god actually knows when is the appropriate time to do things in our life? And how should he do that in a way that is best for us and most conducive for our sanctification and for our glory? I don't have those things in mind when I'm trying to just get to the other side and get to what I'm waiting for. I don't have that in mind. God does. His time frame produces maximum results in our life. Yours, mine, does not. Yours and mine do not. So understand, like, when we talk about waiting, what you're saying is, I'm willing to submit and lay down my concept of time. I'm willing to surrender my preferred time frame and go, maybe I don't need to be married by this time. Maybe I don't need to be financially stable by this time. Maybe, maybe I don't need to feel the pressure and the weight of, of, like, I need to be in this place and have this much done and be this much like Christ in this by this year maybe that pressure and that time frame i've placed on myself is something that i i kind of manufactured on my own doesn't mean be lazy and complacent and settle into nothing just means re reevaluate the time frame you hold yourself to and you almost hold god to there are things that i think we as humans can kind of slow down by our own disobedience or by our own faithlessness we can slow Um, down the things that God wants to do in our life. For sure. We can delay things. I don't think we can accelerate things past God's ordained time, though. I don't think we can accelerate. Psalm 25. Take it to Psalm 25. Okay. The psalmist says, Hey, consider how many are my foes. He's praying. And with what violent hatred they hate me. When's the last time you prayed something like that? Um, If your life is that hard... Mine is not. That's all I'm saying. I don't necessarily have to pray that. (laughs) Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. What's the psalmist waiting for? Well, he's waiting for God to actually act against his enemies and adversaries who have violent hatred. He wants to be delivered. He wants to not be put to shame. He wants to be saved physically. 
And he goes, may integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. I wait for you. And guess what? The psalmist seems to be going, God, would you do this? And God has an ordained time frame that is best to do that. That is not only like, there are all these different factors that come into play when we think about the time frames of God. He's considering our sanctification. He's considering our relationship with Him. He's considering what our character can handle and where we're at faith-wise and what our, or what our mature, spiritual maturity can actually manage. He's, he's, he knows how that's going to relate to the people around us and what that's going to do in their lives. He takes all that into account. When the time stone, he goes, yeah, if you follow me right, then you'll have this then, and you'll be over this then, and you'll get to this place then. And you can't accelerate it, but you can submit to his time frame and trust that he knows best, rather than assuming I know best, God's the problem. He, th I can handle this now. God, can you hurry up and give it to me? Your impatience is a sign that you probably can't handle it. So learn to surrender your concept of time. Learn to lay down at the altar your preference of time. And stop treating waiting as a negative thing. Some of you do that. You, you demonize waiting like, did I do something wrong? Am I in sin? Did I fail? Is this a consequence for my own sin? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So is this just a, a natural consequence? And you, and you demonize waiting. It's not a negative thing. Sometimes I guess waiting and the delay of things can be a form of a consequence, right? I think we see that in scripture, but can't always assume this is, waiting is bad. I should speed through it. I should get past it. Everyone wants to accelerate through the boring parts of life. Everyone wants to speed right through traffic. Everyone wants to get through the dentist appointment. That just, it's personal to me. Everyone wants to, the difficult, disappointing parts of life. Can we just kind of like fast forward through that? That's why we skip ads on videos. <laughs> That's why like when the ad comes up on YouTube, you're like three seconds. Are you kidding me? Two, one, where's the button? Skip. And we're just waiting to skip through and fly right by the things that are boring to us. Things that disappoint us and are frustrating. Can we just kind of like fast forward that and get to the other side? Everyone wants to pass the time during the waiting period by doing other things to make it go faster. I mean, I think about how my we just flew to California a couple weeks ago, and then we flew back here to Florida, and um, and that plane ride is killer with two kids, man. Because as a parent, all you're thinking of is, please don't kill anyone. <laughs> please don't burn the plane down. How do I How do I keep you occupied so you don't turn around and realize there are people around you that you can start messing with? How do I keep you focused? How do I keep you, get you through this flight so that no one dies? And I, we, had, we had went to Dollar Tree, got all these coloring books, got these puzzles, got these sticker books, every activity we could think of for my five and two year old, just to keep them occupied. Because the minute they become bored, chaos breaks out. Crying, wailing, mourning like someone died, mainly for my two year old, ripping off of the seatbelt, whipping people with it. That's just what happens when they realize, hey, I'm bored and I'm doing something and I'm in the middle of something I don't want to be in. So I'm going to speed this up by just doing crazy things. And then we can, that's, we can do the same thing sometimes, man. Instead of waiting, we end up, well, I'll just try and make things go by faster. 
I'll try and speed things up or at least occupy myself while I'm waiting so I'm not, you know, distracted by the fact that I have to wait. And we end up doing things that frustrate us even more and ruin things. So the third thing and the last thing, okay, number one, waiting. Christian life is just one big waiting period. Get used to it. The second thing is waiting is not a bad thing. It's not something you should seek to push through and just recklessly truck through like the Kool-Aid man. The third thing is waiting actually improves relationship and refocuses us on God. Waiting improves relationship with God because it refocuses us on Him. In other words, all biblical waiting leads us to the throne. If it doesn't, you're not waiting right. All biblical waiting, whatever it is you're longing for, the visions of your heart, the, the things God has spoken into your life, the promises you see in scripture, all waiting should lead us to the throne or you're not waiting right. Relationship with God is the ultimate purpose of all waiting. Think about that. The waiting periods God has designed, those time frames of discomfort and frustration and, and dealing with let down expectations, that waiting period is designed by God to actually lead us to Him so that our relationship with Him blossoms and our intimacy with Him grows. That is the main and ultimate purpose of all waiting is that relationship with God is, um, I think, increased, developed. You know, we often think, let me take you to Psalm 27, okay? Psalm chapter 27. Yeah, Leandro, this is a series called Wait on the Lord. Probably, I think it's going to be like seven or eight episodes. So get ready for the next four weeks. Buckle up, guys, because there's a lot I want to say. When it comes to waiting, we often think the real treasure and the real reward is on the other side of our waiting. It's like once I get through this, I get the reward. What if I told you the real treasure is actually in the waiting period and not at the end of it? In other words, you're not waiting for the real reward necessarily, but in the waiting period is the real treasure being relationship with God himself, intimacy of deeper friendship, him, that God is the reward. Psalm 27, I think, reinforces this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? No one. No one. Not cancer diagnosis, not a death threat, not persecution, not car accidents, not the sickness that my mom got, nothing. I shouldn't fear a thing because he's my security. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Who shall I be afraid? No one. He's stronger than all that. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Got them. Even though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Even though war rise against me, I will be confident. So what I've done is I've highlighted what it means to wait on the Lord. Because if you skip down here, you're going to see in verse 14, there's a call to wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. And as we build up to that verse, there's all these ideas of what it looks like to wait for the Lord. I will be confident, not in myself, not in my ability, but in God. 
One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So the psalmist, David, is going, I just want you. I just want more of God. That's it. I want to sit in your presence. I want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. I just want to behold your goodness and your glory. I want to be able to sit before you and ask things. I just want to be in your presence. That's it. That's what I want. That's what I seek after. For he will hide me in the shelter, his shelter in the day of trouble. He'll conceal me under the cover of his tent. He'll lift me high up on a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And so part of the psalmist waiting on the Lord and calling us to wait for the Lord is he's going, I'm bringing sacrifices to God. I'm praising his name. I'm glorifying him. I'm seeking after him alone. He's my treasure. He's the one I want. He's the one I desire. He's the one I'm asking for. I just want to see your goodness and know your love and, and be in your presence all the days in my life. Verse 7 says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You've said, seek my face. And my heart says, your face, Lord, do I seek. Like I want you. Not your hand. Not your blessings. Not what you'll do for me. I want you. Just deeper friendship. I want to know you. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help. God is his help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother, they've forsaken me. But the Lord, the Lord will take me in. So what it looks like to wait on the Lord is to seek his face. To desire him. To say, Lord, teach me your way. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. So the psalmist desires to be taught the ways of God, to actually walk in the ways of God. So sitting in the presence of God is supposed to lead to a life of God's presence where his, I, I come to know his ways and he teaches me and then he leads me in those paths as I live my life. In other words, I seek him to know him to live like him. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Look at the confidence of this man. I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. Wow, David, that's pretty arrogant. No, that's confidence rooted in scripture and a knowledge of who God is. That's appropriate confidence. That's boldness in God. In the land of the living, I will look upon the goodness of the Lord. What does the psalmist want? What does David want? He just wants to look upon and enter into the sanctuary of God to look and gaze at the beauty and the goodness of God, to be in his presence. Now, of course, there is no temple in these days, but the actual, you know, uh, dwelling place of God being the Ark of the Covenant, which I believe is at Shiloh. I think it got moved. My history is a little off. But the point is there is a place where God dwells and David wants to go there. His, his heart is so attached to that place where God dwells. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. 
do you see how the psalmist makes it very clear? The treasure is not what God gives or does or accomplishes in after the waiting period. He's going, Lord, I just want you. And you don't have to wait till the end of your waiting period. You don't have to wait. I don't know. I, I got to wait a couple weeks to have more of God. You can have him now. You can be closer to him now. You can seek him now. You can know his heart and his character better now. It's not something you have to wait for and go, I, I don't know, I'm not old enough, or I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm not there yet. While you're waiting for whatever it is you're believing for God to do, understand this. Whatever God does at the end of your waiting period is not as valuable as him. He's the most valuable treasure. So the real treasure the real reward is actually in the waiting period because the waiting causes me to look more at him as my treasure. The waiting period strips me of all things that I stand on and find security in that's not God and it focuses me on him. That's what the waiting period does is it reminds you he's your treasure, he's your reward, he's your everything. And without that waiting period, you start to kind of wander away from that truth and forget that. And you neglect the presence of God because I got everything I need and I don't have to wait anymore. The real treasure is what the waiting period is producing during that time. Leading you to the throne so that you see your need for him, you fall on your face and you have more of God who is the ultimate treasure of our life. So the real treasure is not at the end of this, I'll get what I want. It's now the waiting period is forcing me in a good way to the throne so that I have more of what matters most. And it's the presence of God. And so the real application is, hey, seek first the kingdom. Seek first God and his kingdom in the period of waiting that we call life. If life is one big waiting period, you should get used to seeking God as if your life depends on it because it's one big waiting period anyway. So you should learn to seek after and wait on him ultimately in all things, in your finances, in your schooling, in your homework, in your job, in your neighborhood council, in your, in your marriage, in your gifts, in your little online business you're starting, in your online ministry, in your serving at your church, in all things. Seek after a deeper friendship with God in all things. Not just above all things, in all these things I do and am a part of my whole life should be one big journey of seeking after the living God. He's the treasure. Don't get bogged down by the waiting. Don't get discouraged by how long is this going to take. Don't just entertain yourself with more of God until you get what you want, then you can move on. Realize that he's the ultimate treasure. And the waiting period just brings us to a place where we're reminded of what matters most. The boring car rides, waiting in line for rides at Disney World, riding on airplanes, some of the most boring moments of my life. Boring. Can we pass the time? Can you guys make the line faster? Did the ride break down? Is the plane really going fast enough? Are we going to get there on time? It's the waiting period that kills me, man. It's boring. But you know what? Sitting in line at Disney World, traveling in the car with my kids, um, flying in an airplane with them. Those have been some of the most valuable memories I have with my children. Those periods of time where it's waiting and it's full of boredom, but it caused me to just go, I get to focus on you, buddy. 
Like, I just get to be with you, my sweet, loving daughter that might destroy my face if I say one wrong thing, so I better say everything right. I just get to focus on you guys. And those waiting periods have actually become the sweetest memories for my relationship with my kids. And so th those periods of time that you want to accelerate through and you're like, can we just be done? Can we get there already? Can I get to a place where I'm financially stable? Can I get the healing? Can I just be done with this life? Can I move on and just have a spouse already that cares for me and provides so I'm not alone and isolated? Can we get to that point? Those periods of time have the most potential to strengthen your relationship with your God. They do. Because guess what? You got nothing better to do. And it's not just I'm seeking God to pass the time. That's not it. It's he's the one I want anyway. So I might as well stay fixed on him whether I'm waiting for something or not. And since life is one big waiting period, I might as well just look to him as my treasure and stop settling for lesser things. Because I'm telling you, just when it comes to my relationship with my kids, those, 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 those periods of waiting where we're waiting to get somewhere or do something have been some of the best memories that have strengthened our relationship the most that have developed this, this closeness with them. I see things. I can focus on that. I'm not distracted. I, I can just be. That's what God's inviting you to have in this waiting period called life. He's inviting you to just be with him in his presence. And you know, there's a butt ton of people who couldn't wait in scripture. A lot of people who were invited into the same thing. But in the waiting, they decided to jump ship, figure something out on their own, abandon God, look to their own intellect and power and not trust in God. And they couldn't wait. Abraham and Sarah couldn't wait for Isaac. Israel couldn't wait to go into the promised land. Israel couldn't wait for Moses to come back down from Mount Sinai. Adam and Eve couldn't wait for God to give them an appropriate knowledge as time would probably pass. They took it and seized it for themselves. King Saul couldn't wait for Samuel to come, so he took the sacrifice into his own hands. David couldn't wait any longer, so he took Bathsheba. Israelites couldn't wait for food and water, wanted to go back to Egypt for immediate pleasure. Balaam couldn't wait. All these different examples of people who could not wait, did not wait, had an opportunity to wait and have deeper relationship and had an invitation to the throne and they missed it. They tried accelerating it, they got bored, they realized um, maybe God isn't what we wanted and we'll try and figure this out and they missed it. In the next episode, part two, we're gonna talk about how not to wait. And then we'll start breaking down all these different things. Remember the 10 elements of biblical waiting, God's word, trust, action, faith, God's presence, contentment, patience, hopeful expectation, hierarchy of priorities, and salvation. Those are the 10 elements of true biblical waiting. You want to know what it looks like to wait on the Lord? Those 10 things will always be present. And over the next seven-ish episodes, we're going to break those down even more so that we know what it looks like to actually wait on the Lord. So in the waiting, know this, waiting is the mark of the Christian life. Get used to it. Waiting is not a bad thing. Don't try and accelerate it. And waiting actually improves your relationship with God. So find the real treasure in the waiting instead of at the end of it. If you guys <clears throat> did not know this, 
This is Above Reproach Ministry. And you can find everything about this ministry, okay, at abovereproachministry.com. If I can pull this over so you can see it, for bam, we got a bunch of free resources, devotional studies, Bible study classes online, completely free, Bible study sheets, um, Bible study workshops, all the sermons organized topically on, on YouTube. You can join our online church, figure out what our online church even is on the Discord app. You can get a copy of my book, Fruitful. You can listen to our podcast. I will tell you this, tomorrow I'm going to make a huge announcement, I'm really excited about it, about a project uh, that has been on my heart that I'm finally able to release to you guys and um, start benefiting you with. So I'll be announcing that um, project tomorrow. It's officially going to be released on the 14th of February, but I get to tell you what it is tomorrow. So stay tuned. It's going to be something that's going to benefit um, the global and local church. And I'm excited about it. I really am. And if you want to support this ministry, uh, we're just teaching people how to read the Bible so they can live and teach the Bible themselves. We're trying to move people towards Jesus. Not that we can, but God moves through us. And so if you want to give, you can give through uh, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. You can give through just your debit or credit card. Um, you can mail a check to P.O. Box 338, Green Cove Springs, Florida 32043. Just go to abovereproachministry.com slash donate and all the proceeds go into this content being completely free to everyone around the world, resourcing the church, strengthening believers, reaching the lost, all this stuff. And you can also get some church merch. If you don't already have um, some church merch, get some. Um, that way you can wear Jesus on your body in a visible, readable way <laughs> where people can read it on your shirt in Christ alone or Jesus is coming or... All our other products, like mugs and digital products, you can find that on our merch store right on our website. And I think that is all I have for you guys today. I'm excited for this whole series, man. I've been sit Like I said, I've been sitting on this for just about two years, so um, this has been in the making, and it's finally time to release it. So it's the right time. I've been waiting, and God knew now is the right time to do it. So I'll see you guys for episode number two, part two. Um, will either be tomorrow or Thursday, depending on where I get in my notes. I'll try my best to have it ready for tomorrow, if not Thursday. All right, you guys keep moving towards Jesus, and I'll see you guys later.